Welcome back to the Word on Fire show. This is Brandon Vott, the host. We have a special episode for you today. It was recorded live at the 2019 Los Angeles Religious Education Congress. Joseph Glor, our producer, served as the host and interviewed Bishop Barron about lots of new and exciting things here at Word on Fire. And now on to today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Word on Fire show. I'm Joseph Glor, your host and the producer for Word on Fire, and I'm here at the Religious Education Congress with Bishop Barron. Bishop, how are you doing today? I'm good, Joe. It's always good to be here at the Congress, and I'm recovered. Uh, yesterday was was a great day, but it was uh, it was challenging in a way because I gave this talk in the arena, which is always an experience, about seven or 8,000 people. But then today, I've just been hanging out at our booth and the Archdiocese of, of Los Angeles booth and uh, just enjoying the energy of this uh, event. Bishop, you, when you spoke yesterday to the educators and to about 8,000 people in the arena, you talked about the main theme for Word on Fire, which is evangelizing the nuns. And you've, you've talked about this all the time, but I thought this talk in particular, it was a long one, and it was really comprehensive. Yeah, I mean, I, as you say, I, I've, I've been talking for a long time about this issue of, of why people are leaving the church, who they are, etc. But I thought for this one, I wanted to really bring it all together in a thorough uh, presentation. And actually, I had so much material that even with an hour and a half, I was, I was sort of running out of time. Uh, I looked at these three questions. So who are the unaffiliated? And I gave all the statistics. And there have been tons of surveys. We don't have to be speculative about that. I mean, we know objectively who the unaffiliated are. Then I asked the question, why are they leaving? And again, a lot of, I said, religious people, it's kind of in our system that we pontificate a lot, you know, Everyone's got an opinion, but also there's a lot of objectivity about that. A lot of surveys. We've asked young people, and Pope Francis said, you know, we should listen to young people, and I agree. With what are they actually saying? Not our opinions about it. And uh, they'll, they'll tell us. And so I went through uh, the many reasons they give. Uh, and then finally I looked at, well, how do we get them back? So I laid out nine, I think it was, um, principles that should guide our attempt to get them back. So, yeah, it was probably the most thorough presentation I've given of all that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed the end because it, it, it didn't just let us know the problem. I think anyone who's a Catholic knows you go to Mass, there's not as many people there now as there was in the 80s, and then I'm sure probably as there was in the 50s. So we know the problem exists, but it's like, how do we get them back? And you, you brought up those great points, which include building community, prayer, uh, all sorts of different ways to bring people back. I thought that was great. Yeah, I started with um, the theme of justice, which is the theme of, of the Congress here. And I said, look, I mean, I, I'm against, I've said this many times, I'm against reducing religion to the works of justice. That's a problem, I think. There's more to it than that. But all the studies show it's a natural point of entry and point of contact for young people. They get that side of the church's life readily. Right. They get, yes, taking care of the poor and the hungry and the homeless and so on is a good thing. So I said, terrific. We have so many great figures in our tradition, you know, from the church fathers to, to Dorothy Day, I mean, who are great advocates of justice. We have lots of opportunities for young people to participate in the works of justice. I cited Jared uh, Manley Hopkins, the great uh, Jesuit poet, you know, when somebody was, was kind of confused about God and they asked him, what should I do? And, and, and they were expecting that he'd give them an argument or something. And instead he said, give alms. In other words, that's a great route of access to the God who is love, is to engage in the works of love. And young people, and I base this on my own experience, but also a lot of the studies, young people get that. They understand that. So I said that's a very important way to, uh, to draw them back. 
One thing I thought was really encouraging was during your talk how you emphasized probably the hardest push you've ever, I've heard you emphasize to stop dumbing down no. Catholicism. And yeah. you got a lot of hooping and hollering out of the educators in yeah. the room. They appreciated and that. I've, I've said in this very place, I've said that for many years, and I always get that reaction, but I always say to the folks, <laughs> well, then I'll do something about it. Right. Here's, here's the whole world of Catholic publishing and, and teaching and catechesis. But yeah, that was my third recommendation. The second was the, um, the way of beauty. Right. So justice is a, is a great contact. But the second one, the way of beauty, which is, I think, more inviting to a lot of people today. But then the third one, you're right, was stop dumbing down our religion. Because um, every single study shows that the number one reason that the young people give is they don't believe in these doctrines. They don't make sense. They conflict with science. They're irrational and illogical. That's what the young people say. So we might think, oh, it's because they were you know, not welcomed. And, and I'm all in favor of welcoming the young people. Don't get me wrong. But that's not what they say. They'll say, I find the teachings of the church illogical and irrational. So I think we got to stop uh, soft-pedaling our intellectual tradition. I think we should give the kids, for example, in high school, the same level of religion that we give them in math and science. And I, I think I told the story yesterday of my nephew, a good kid, who's now a sophomore at MIT. So he's, he's hyper smart, math, science, right? Doing things that I, mean, I don't even know. I, I couldn't begin to formulate a question about what he's doing, you know? So I asked him one time, did your high school prepare you well for MIT? And without hesitation, he said, yeah, absolutely. Wow. In other words, he was getting very high-level math, science instruction in high school. Now, I put it to all the educators here. Are we giving our Catholic kids that level of instruction in religion when they're 17 and 18? And sadly, the question answers itself. Right. Well, if you, if you want to hear all of the nine principles that Bishop Barron recommends to bring people back into the church and keep people from becoming unaffiliated, make sure that you check out the Facebook uh, Facebook page, first off, because we've got the live stream on there. And I think because the talk went so long, the live, full live stream talk might not be on there. But you can have access to it, for sure, on the Word on Fire Institute, which brings me to my next point that I want to talk about really for today's show, Bishop, which is the three major th programs that we are promoting here at the L.A. Congress. And number one is... Is the Word on Fire Institute. Number two is Word on Fire Engage for parishes. And then number three is my personal favorite, Catholicism Pivotal Players is the producer for Word on Fire. This has got a special place in my heart. So let's get started, though, first with the Word on Fire Institute. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the Word on Fire Institute, you haven't, I'm sure you've heard of it before if you follow Word on Fire at all, but if you're not familiar with it, it is a community, a place of instruction and formation, really an army of evangelizers that are taking the discipline to be formed into evangelizers by undergoing these lessons and these courses from some of the greatest Catholic speakers in the world coming from all over to teach you courses through video lessons. You can do the audio if you want to. You can read. It's got study, study guides and programs. And the goal and purpose is to form people to become evangelizers of the gospel in the way, ethos, and principles of Bishop Barron and Word on Fire. So make sure you go to wordonfire.institute to learn more about that. But I want to ask you, Bishop, about the Institute along those lines. What made you think of it? Where did this idea come from? And then where is it going in the future? Yeah, you know, I started Word on Fire a long time ago, and it was just, you know, me in, in the basement of the administration building at Mundelein Seminary you know, doing sermons. And we started from there and then expanded to, you know, the website and then videos and then recorded 
retreats and homilies and all this business, then the Catholicism series. So it grew and grew and grew, all of which is great, and I'm delighted with it. But it occurred to me that it's got to become more than just uh, this this particular ministry, you know, that I'm anchoring. That if we're serious about evangelizing the world, about bringing back the unaffiliated, it's got to become a movement that involves not just me and, and my staff, but involves the laity especially. So I'm not underplaying the role of the clergy at all, but if this is going to happen, I think the lay people have got to take the lead in bringing the evangelical enterprise out into the public space, out into families, out into uh, their their uh, uh, you know uh, edu- their places of, of work and education and so on. So my idea is to draw largely lay people in and shape them and form them and instruct them and then send them on this evangelical mission. So that's the purpose of it. And so as you say, we're gathering a lot of great people who are doing uh, courses, giving lectures, uh, giving instruction in theology, spirituality, practical evangelism. I just finished, what was it, 12 lectures on John Henry Newman. Yes. So some were doing kind of at a high theological level, others are more pragmatic. But the idea is you join the Institute, you get access to these videos, and then my hope, finally, is to move it beyond an Internet community. And that's great. I like starting with that because that's where people are, you know. But to get them grounded, too, and, um, you know, to help people uh, grow in their capacity to evangelize. That's the, the purpose of it. It's, and it's forming a movement in that. So that's yeah. the wonderful thing with it. And uh, if just to touch on this, if, you, if you're not familiar with the courses, if you're not signed up for the Institute yet, you've got to sign up just for Bishop Barron's classes. I'm in there in the studio, obviously, recording all of this content. And it's just the most wonderful experience as someone who was converted and brought into the Catholic faith by Word on Fire to sit down and get theology classes, to get spirituality classes from Bishop Barron himself is just an incredible opportunity. So you're getting a Balthazar class just like he was teaching, at, maybe not just like he was teaching, uh, maybe a, a shorter, truncated yeah, version. Yeah, pretty close, though. I mean, yeah. it was based on the lectures I've given for many years at the seminary. Same with the Newman course. Right. So if, if you ever dreamed of being able to sit down and have Bishop Barron, not just as your, your homilist, your sermon, your, your pastor, but also your teacher, you get that opportunity at the Word on Fire Institute, and we've got Balthazar, 12 classes, or 12 courses, and then 12 courses on Newman. Uh, I do want to ask you, so talking all the, about all these people coming in and studying this material, what is the, the spirituality of study? I know Thomas Aquinas says some things about... Yeah, well, it's, it's essential to it. Um, you know, just this morning, it's funny, I was in the office of reading. So as a, as a priest, as a bishop, I, I pray the office. And today is the feast of St. Terribius of Mangrovejo, who was a great bishop. But they had the um, segment from the Vatican II statement on bishops. First of the offices of a bishop, first office, teach the faith. You know? I did not know that. Well, sure. That, and that Vatican II says of the priest, the primum officium, the first office of the priest, is to proclaim the word of God. And so that's, talk about the spirituality of priesthood or spirituality of Episcopal ministry. A lot of it's tied to teaching, proclaiming the word, study is obviously essential to that. I mean, if I'm, it's just a velleity. If all I say is, oh yeah, I'm going to teach word, but I never study, I never read, I never uh, consult some of the great minds, I never take courses. Well, you're not serious about it then. You're not seriously engaging the word. And so, yes, I used to tell my students at the seminary, before you begin your reading in the evening, say a prayer, you know? So don't think of prayer as something now you do on the side. No, no, pray 
before you read. See your, your reading and study as itself an act of prayer. Something I've tried to do uh, over all these years is when I sit down with a computer to write, is, is always begin with a prayer that I'm, I'm asking the Lord to guide me in this. Study, writing, teaching, all of it is part of the spirituality of a, a priest or a bishop, certainly. And, and also for all of the evangelizers. And they yeah. are meant to be sent out then to teach other people about the faith and about Christ's church. And as I've said now a million times, a dumbed-down Catholicism is not helping. Uh, we made this, I think, very bad pastoral decision many decades ago that we would water it down, we dumb it down. But it's been a pastoral disaster. And if you want the clear statistical indication of that, I'll, I'll show them to you. All these young people who are leaving us in droves and are saying, I never got good answers. I never got satisfying answers to my questions. That's the bitter fruit of this bad pastoral decision to dumb down the faith. Well, we've seen people come from all over here at the Religious Education Congress yesterday at the book signing to tell Bishop Barron that their hearts have been set on fire. And I know from personal experience that when your heart is set on fire, you want to spend the rest of your life helping spread that same message, that truth that really lit your heart on fire. And that's what Word on Fire is all about. So if you want to, go to the Word on Fire website, wordonfire.institute, and then learn more about the Institute. And I'm telling you, you'll get something from the Institute that you won't find in any other formation class because it's more than just courses. First off, the courses are more stunning and spectacular uh, than you'll find anywhere else. Uh, The production value for them as a producer, I can tell you, is through the roof. They're incredible. They're so great. And all of our study program materials are also fantastic. But you're also getting a community. You're getting people connected with you globally through the internet, but then also locally. And in the future, we plan to have meeting places and organizations where you can get together in your own community. And that's, I've gotten a lot of people asking about that as well, Bishop Barron, just yeah. even here at the booth. So make sure you check it out and you can get an opportunity to build your community there, pray together with other people that feel the same way about this mode of, of evangelization. So the next thing I want to talk about is Word on Fire Engage. And Word on Fire Engage is a program for larger groups. It's for parishes. It's for classrooms. It's RCIA-based. So it also really is geared towards bringing people in parishes back into community and getting them together again and going to Mass and being being more spiritually filled as they go throughout the week other than just going to Mass. So Word on Fire Engage, when you go there and you get your pastor to go there and sign up, you'll get weekly emails from Word on Fire sent through the Engage platform. It's super easy, super intuitive. You can do it for sure. It's very simple. And everyone in your parish will just, if they have an email or a phone number, they'll get the content and you can read it together and you can comment in your own group together on the videos that we send you. It's broken into small little mini lessons. So we'll have a lesson from the Catholicism series, for example, and we'll just go through one of the episodes from the Catholicism series and take your entire parish through it. So Bishop, Word on Fire Engage has been very popular amongst parishes. You talked about community building yesterday. Why do you think it's so important, this Word on Fire Engage platform? It's a way of getting the parishes really on, online. Uh, it's a bit like a Netflix type thing where a parish will sign up for the Engage and then people get access to all the Word on Fire material. True. So it's just a good way, I think, to in a very easy uh, manner to get access to all our material. And I, you know, I, I hope it would help to shape the ethos of a parish. Our work is all around evangelization. And so if you're taking in this material and, and you're getting a steady diet of it, you're getting the ethos of being an evangelizing community. One of my principles I mentioned yesterday in the talk was turn every parish into a missionary society. 
So we still think of our parishes as places where people come and they're, they go to Mass and they receive the sacraments, all of which, of course, is indispensable. But do we think of our parishes as missionary societies? That Their ultimate purpose is to shape disciples for the sake of mission. So my hope would be if you take the Word on Fire Engage program, it's a whole parish getting into this new mentality. You know, the, the jargon we use now is going from maintenance to mission, which is right. You know, we're not just maintaining what we have, but we're going on mission. So that's my hope for Word on Fire Engage, that it'll galvanize a parish in a fresh way. And Bishop brought up a great point about all of our material. The Word on Fire digital platform is something you'll have access to whether you're on the Word on Fire Institute as an individual or if your parish signs up for Word on Fire Engage, every single person in your parish will have access to all of Bishop Aaron's film content. So that's all the study guide programs. That's the, the new mass series that we put out. That's the Pivotal Players episodes. So every single thing that Bishop Aaron's put on film, including his lectures and everything else, is on the digital platform, and everyone in your parish will have access to that. But with Engage, the nice thing is that your parish, your, your, your parish leaders or your pastor, will be able to send out emails that are specifically geared towards keeping everyone watching the same videos every week. So it's like a book club or a video yeah. club that everyone can discuss together. Uh, so Word on Fire Engage, to check that out, go to engage.wordonfire.org and uh, make sure if you're not a parish leader, talk to your parish leaders about that. Talk to your pastors about that because it's an incredible opportunity. Again, it's engage.wordonfire.org. All right, Bishop, this brings me to the last program that I want to discuss, which is Pivotal Players. And I've oh, been yeah, dealing good. a lot with Pivotal Players because we're going to go filming again this yeah. summer, and we're in post-production on two episodes right now, yeah. the Flannery O'Connor and Fulton Sheen episodes we're working on polishing up to have for you towards the end of this year, so look forward to that. What, but, September? Is that when they're coming out? Yep, they should be out in September, so okay. that's Flannery O'Connor and Fulton Sheen, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But first, I want to talk about something that folks can pick up right here at the Congress today or online, and that is the Catholicism Pivotal Players St. Augustine and St. Benedict episodes. Oh, yeah. Good. These were incredible episodes, and now that you've been able to watch the films and remembering when we took that massive film trip over there to Europe to, to film these what are a couple of your favorite scenes in this, uh, these two episodes, Bishop Barron? Yeah, there's so many. Augustine, especially, it was that moment when we went to the baptistry under the Milan Cathedral. So you go to the present-day beautiful, gorgeous Milan Cathedral, and then there's a plaza in front of it. And underneath that was the, the kind of sub-basement of the ancient cathedral, where St. Ambrose himself baptized St. Augustine. And they have the ruins, but very well-preserved ruins, of the octagonal... A baptismal pool where Ambrose stood with Augustine uh, in that, that fateful moment. You think of the baptism of Augustine, what that meant for not just the church, but for all of Western civilization. And so to get into that space, and we were there with our you know cameras and, and I was able to do a little uh, stand-up there, was incredibly moving to me. Uh, so that's the, that's the enduring memory from uh, from the Augustine episode. And then also his tomb was pretty magnificent, oh, right? Gosh. Remember that yeah. tall tomb? That was one of the things that struck me. I wasn't expecting that part. I was surprised by it. It's in a place called Pavia in Italy. And I'd heard that, you know, uh, the claim was that the bones of Augustine are in Pavia. But to be honest with you, I, I thought, oh, well, you know, who knows? Maybe, but it could just be a legend or something. But we get there to Pavia, and um, here's the tomb. As you say, beautifully uh, carved tomb. And the carving... Is not just decorative, it's telling the story of how the bones got there. And, and when you see it laid out, and you, you hear it explained by the historians that Augustine was buried in, you know, Hippo in North Africa. 
And then when the um, sort of the Islamic in- invasion is coming, he was moved to Sicily. And then when Sicily was threatened, the bones were moved to Pavia, where they are now. And it was the local kind of chieftain at the time. We're talking about the 8th century or 9th, 9th century. The local chieftain said, I'll, I'll take those and I'll bring them to my church and I'm going to build the tomb. And so they've been there since then. And you think, well, okay, that's a pretty, you know, believable itinerary for these bones. And so once I, I took that, I thought, well, yeah, yeah, those are likely <laughs> the bones of the great St. Augustine, which is, you know, deeply moving and a beautiful place to visit. Yeah, it was. I mean, for how staggering of a figure St. Augustine is, the, the tomb, to see his tomb and how it's built up in this magnificent kind of ivory carved marble yeah. Yeah. shrine to him is, is really magnificent. So you'll be able to see it on this episode, on the St. Yeah, Augustine episode. Yeah, we have a beautiful film of that. Yeah, so check that out. And then what about St. Benedict? What were what oh, some gosh. of the, your favorite places and scenes from that episode? Well, of course, we filmed in Monte Cassino both for him and for St. Thomas Aquinas, who as a young kid spent time at Monte Cassino. But my enduring memory of the Benedict episode is Subiaco. So the, the young Benedict uh, was so scandalized by the corruption of Rome, where he'd been sent to study, that he left. He's still a very young man. And he went east of Rome. It's about a oh maybe hour drive now to a little place called Subiaco. And there he lived literally in a cave for about three years. And they have the cave still preserved there. Now they built around it this magnificent, you know, church and ecclesial structure. But but they, it's still there. And and the countryside is so striking. It's up in the mountains and very severe but beautiful. And you can see this young kid, spiritual searcher, he's fed up with the world that he's seen and he's just thirsty for God, you know. And he goes out to that place, and and from that cave came the Benedictine movement, ultimately, you know. And what occurs to you is the Benedictine movement, in turn, uh, saved Western civilization in many ways. You know, if we read anything from the classical world, it's because Benedictine monks preserved it, you know, over those centuries. And so who would have thought, let's say someone going by and they say, there's this crazy kid, he's up in this cave, I don't know who he is, what's going on, that up in that cave, as the Roman world was collapsing, it was right after the fall of the empire, the seeds of Western civilization were up in that cave, in that kid's mind and heart. So I found that very moving uh, and beautiful, and we have great film of that. We use the drone photography it comes swooping over the right. scene of Subiaco you know yeah if you go to pivotalplayers.com you can see these episodes if you scroll down towards the bottom because it has the the initial trailer for the whole series and then scroll down to the bottom I think the Benedict trailer is yeah. the favorite short video that we've ever made at Word on Fire it's so powerful and captivating so ch- definitely check out the trailer and you'll be convinced that you need to pick up these two episodes and then make sure you get volume one as well because we've got volume one already there our first six pivotal players and then this uh, past summer, we filmed Flannery O'Connor and Fulton Sheen. And now you've been able to see, uh, you've gotten the sneak preview of the Sheen episode. Well, just a rough and, draft. Yeah, I just mean, a rough draft uh, of, the, of the Sheen. I'm we don't have with the, the music and everything. Right. And, you know. But what were some things that, anything about it that struck that struck you? I know you um, wrote the script and then you I starred did write in the it. Script, so and I was the star. There's not a whole lot of, uh, there's <laughs> not a whole lot that could surprise you about Let's it. Let's see about Sheen, though. Uh, you know, I, I liked visiting uh, Peoria. So yeah. we were in New York and Washington, big places for Sheen. But going to his little, you know, El Paso and then Peoria where he was ordained and where he was a server, yeah. you know, with the the bishop who strangely made this great prediction about this kid, the altar boy who had dropped a cruet, you know, and he was embarrassed. And the, and the bishop said, 
you know, uh, someday you will be as I am. Yeah. And and he told him, he said, you will go to Louvain, you'll become as I am. And where did that come from? There's this eight-year-old kid, but the bishop predicted what would happen to him. I found that moving about Sheen. I, I love filming in D.C. I went back to Catholic U, my alma mater, and we filmed in a classroom that Sheen taught in. And that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. Um, One of the things that I loved watching the episode, because, again, I was hand-in-hand with, with the script and then filming everything, so I kind of knew what we were, what to expect. But Matt Becklow, who's a content manager here at Word on Fire, a great friend of ours, and he was able to secure so much great footage of Fulton Sheen. And then Matt Leonard, our director, really picked some amazing parts and scenes from Fulton Sheen to put into the episode to illustrate the points that Bishop Barron's talking about. So as you watch the Sheen episode... The, the, I think my my favorite charming part about it is that you get to see Fulton Sheen at his best, like some of his hi, his highlight reel, which you can imagine is is really great Pretty footage. Good, yeah. yeah, so you get a you get a feel for the person, and then finally Flannery O'Connor. What did, what what strikes you about Flannery O'Connor? Well, I love Flannery O'Connor, uh, and she's maybe you know of all the people we looked at, in some ways the most obscure. You know, uh, I discovered her many years ago, and she's one of my favorite writers. And is there anyone in the 20th century who captures? the strangeness of Catholicism better than Flannery O'Connor and with, with such artistry. But we filmed at her home in, um, in Milledgeville, Georgia. And uh, it was a typical, beautiful southern, real hot summer day. But we sat out in her porch in this gorgeous home. And uh, right behind me as I'm talking is her room where she did a lot of her writing. And so that to me was uh, extremely powerful. You know? Yeah, the stand-ups in, when you're standing there in her room and yeah. talking about her couple of her books, "A Good Man's Hard to Find" and "Revelation," you'll see that yeah. in the in the episode, and it's it's so cool. I, we haven't gotten too far into post production where I have seen a lot of the footage parsed together, but we have started working on those narratives. And if you like Bishop Barron's YouTube commentaries as much as I do, where he discusses plots from different films or books. You're going to love this Flannery O'Connor episode because we take you through the plots of these two stories with Bishop Barron's narration, but through some beautifully nuanced, kind of subtle Have artistic you seen, moves. I don't think I've seen any of it yet. I, we're they, working on it now, and I, I've seen A Good Man's Hard to Find, and really? you're going to like it. Okay, good. I haven't seen any <laughs> yeah, of the Flannery it's, it's O'Connor It's very one cool. Yet. And um, then we're doing some cool, kind of mixed together animation and live footage for uh, Revelation. It's, okay. All I can tell you right now is. Just, just wait because it's really uh, something very cool. It's something unlike we've done before for pivotal players to to kind of show these stories uh, evolve with Bishop Barron's uh, narration. Because that was the trick with her, wasn't it? Was you know a lot of her genius is in her narratives yeah. and the story. So how do you do the documentary and tell the story? Right. You know? Right. Uh, so and you even hear. I'll tell you this little um, insight here. You're going to hear Flannery O'Connor reading some of the story as well. So oh, we, we have, have bit, audio yeah, footage good. of her reading some of the story. So we interject that as nice. well. It's going to turn out really cool. I'm really excited for those episodes. You can expect those again in September. But again, PivotalPlayers.com to pick up the Augustine and the Benedict episodes. And now it's time for our listener question. And oh. our listener question today comes from Nanette. And she had asked me, well, you talked about not dumbing down Catholicism. What are some books that Word on Fire produces that you think would be good kind of for formation if they want to be an evangelist? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Does she mean that in terms of like the study of theology or more evangelization? Just, well, in terms of understanding the faith and then being able to go out and share I, it. I still think, you know, he's not a Catholic, but uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, I think, is one of the best starting places for someone that wants to do um, 
apologetics in a way that's really smart, really insightful, but still accessible. You know, so I often recommend um, C.S. Lewis, A Mere Christianity. Still love Chesterton's Orthodoxy and The Everlasting Man are two great places to start. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that we've done at Word on Fire is meant to accomplish precisely that end, to draw people in. In my book, The Strangest Way, probably, is the closest to a, an evangelical sort of you know, reintroduction to Christianity. If you want some high-octane stuff, I'd recommend The Priority of Christ for well, understanding yeah, more some Bishop Aaron Theology. serious academic yeah. sort of book for those who are interested in those deeper questions, you know. Yeah. And then also you have Thomas Aquinas, spiritual master, too, because I know that Thomas Aquinas was a big part of your formation, and so if you're interested in seeing where that evolved in Bishop Aaron's uh, academic life, then you can check out the Thomas Aquinas, spiritual master. You know, the first time, it reminds me, the first time I came here uh, was because of that book. I wrote that book in 1996, and and it won an award that year. And I remember the the publisher of the book called me and said, you got to go to the L.A. Religious Education Congress. And I said, what's that? I didn't know what it was. He said, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> well, look at you now. Yeah, and so that was, it was 1997 was the first time I came here uh, to the Congress. It was to kind of not advertise it, but to speak off of that book. Well, thanks so much for listening here to the Word on Fire show from the Religious Education Congress. And make sure that you go to wordonfire.institute, engage.wordonfire.org, and <laughs> so pivotalplayers.com. So I've, I've hit them all enough times by the, at this point. So yeah, it's, but your generation can handle that better than mine. Sure, it's dot simple. .org slash backslash it's dash Word on Fire, wordonfire.institute. <laughs> engage.wordonfire.org and then pivotalplayers.com those are the three websites again that we talked about today and those are the three major programs I hope you all get involved with at your parish personally and then also for your viewing pleasure so we'll see you back here next week with our regular host Brandon Vock Bishop Barron will be back thanks so much Bishop for taking the time on such a busy weekend my pleasure it's a great joy to be with you Joe and we'll see you back here next time for the Word on Fire show